Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Commented Podcast, where we talk about your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. I'm Tori. I'm Erin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. And we hope our voices please your ears on this fine Sunday afternoon. I almost forgot our upload date. Um, remember to always drink your water, wear your sunscreen, and put on a goddamn jacket. The amount of kids that come to my school in just long sleeve shirts talk about they're going to recess. Babe, it's 40 degrees outside. I need you to put on a jacket. Um, anywho, today we decided to dip back into 90s movies with Mary's recommendation of The Bodyguard. For those of you who don't know, The Bodyguard is a 1992 American romantic drama thriller filmed by director Mick Jackson, written by Lawrence Caston, starring Kevin Costner, Whitney Houston, Gary Kemp, Bill Cobbs, and Ralph Waits. The film follows a former United States Secret Service agent turned bodyguard who was hired to protect a famous actress and a singer from an unknown stalker. Caston wrote the film in the mid-1970s, originally as a vehicle for Steve McQueen and Diana Ross. I did not know that. <laughs> question mark? Question <laughs> mark? <laughs> what? <laughs> I know who Diana Ross is. Steve McQueen is an actor, right? Let me. Yeah, I'm literally gonna do some searching because I can't even. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, he's in the Cincinnati Kid. Okay, that's interesting. He's okay. in. A- okay, I've. Where have I seen him before? It's like that's I know I'm who he is, but out. I don't know who he is. <laughs> Film. Oh, The Great movie. Escape. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. In the 70s? And you didn't get it produced in the 90s? Oh, they said, <laughs> we want to ruffle feathers. It would have been like interracial. Like, Oh my uh, God. What's that Sydney Poitier movie? Um, uh, guess God. Who's Coming to Dinner? Yes. Isn't this during the Black Exploitation in the 70s? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have mm-hmm. been campy. Very much oh, like... I, I, I can't even envision this. Diana Ross? That's just <laughs> okay. So the bodyguard was theatrically released by Warner Brothers on November twenty fifth, nineteen ninety two. The film grossed four hundred and eleven million dollars worldwide, becoming the second highest grossing film of nineteen ninety two behind Aladdin. And at the time, it's released the tenth highest grossing film of all time. However, the film was generally Panned by critics who criticized its screenplay and performances of the lead actors, the film's accompanying soundtrack by Houston became the best-selling soundtrack album of all times, with sales of 45 million copies worldwide, and won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year with singles I Have Nothing and Run to You received nominations for Academy for Best Original Song. The film received seven nominations at the 13 Golden Raspberry Awards, including... For worst picture, worst actor, and worst actress. Oh, <laughs> the thing, the film only cost them twenty five million to make, and they made four point four hundred and eleven million dollars. Jesus Christ! So, with that being said, me and Mirren are going to take turns of recapping. Um. Oh wait, before we do that, is this your first time watching The Bodyguard, Mirren? Yes. Ooh. For me, okay. I've heard it referenced a lot, but I've never watched it. Okay, okay. Corey, is this your first time watching The Bodyguard? Um, I have seen it in passing a couple times because I used to play it on TV a lot. I just don't remember which channel it was. But this is the first time I've actually like sat down and like fully watched it from start to finish. 
I feel like this is an ABC Family TV One type of rerun. Yeah, that was probably Somewhere. definitely like TV One or like UPN or something. Yeah, yeah. Nia, is this your first time watching The Bodyguard? Nah, I've seen this like four times. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, you, Tori? I, I think from start to finish, this might be my first time. I feel like I watched like the first half of it, or I've seen like the last half of it, but never it all together. Or if I have watched it, I don't remember. So, with that being said, Mary, can you kick us off? Okay. <clears throat> so, um, the movie starts and we hear gunshots through a black screen. The title of the movie pops up um, in the very recognizable 90s font. And we see one man, who is Frank, with a gun pushing another man down to the ground. Um, and he points his gun at somebody in front of him. The screen pans out and shows you more of the scene. We see that the characters are in a parking deck with a man across from the two guys dead on the ground. Uh, we cut to another scene and Farmer, Frank Farmer, who is Kevin Costner's character, is talking to someone who asks him how asks him how did he know and Farmer says he saw him washing the car. They don't wash cars on par- in parking decks. The man he is talking to asks him to stay on the job, job but Farmer declines saying that uh, what does he say? He doesn't stay, um, his feet get restless or something like that. Mm-hmm. Farmer goes back home and we see him enjoy his simple meal in his simple house while reading a, a magazine. At an event that Rachel is at, played by Whitney Houston, um, someone hands her team a doll. They put it on a table and it blows up. We return to Farmer at his home and one of Rachel's staff, Devaney, is asking Farmer to protect Rachel saying that Rachel um, begged him to get Farmer to protect her. At first, Farmer declines, but he eventually says that he'll check out the situation, and if he does, if he does, if he takes a job, he's asking for 3000 a week, which is equivalent to almost $7,000 today, which is a lot. Um, mm-hmm. A week? Jesus yeah, Christ. Week. <laughs> I mean, but being a bodyguard is... Yeah. <laughs> Um, Farmer goes to Rachel's house and as he's driving up, he notices a truck leaving the area in his rearview mirror. He presses on the intercom box and has to say a passcode to get in. After being asked quite a few questions, Farmer is let into the house where it seems that they're playing, where they're filming a music video. Farmer stands in the background and kind of assesses the situation. It's a bunch of people in one room. There's cameras going, people dancing, music playing. Devaney introduces Farmer to Rachel, and when Rachel turns around and sees him, she immediately checks him out. (laughs) She eyes him up and down. Um, We see that Rachel isn't really taking the bomb threat seriously and that she doesn't want it to affect her life, and that the most important thing is that she doesn't want her son affected by the whole bodyguard security situation. Um, and that the idea was of a bodyguard was Devaney's idea and not Rachel's. And it also seems that Rachel doesn't know the severity in which yes. she's being stalked. I don't even think they told her it was a bomb threat. I think they told her it was an electrical outlet issue. And oh. so when when Farmer comes in, she feels like everybody's overreacting. Yeah. Um, so that also plays into her whole attitude about the thing she's like y'all are being very dramatic (laughs) uh turned off by her nonchalant attitude to the whole thing farmer walks out but devaney tells him to wait he has something to show him he shows him a bunch of threatening letters addressed to rachel but rachel does not know about the letters or the fact that someone broke into her house and masturbated on her bed 
which is kind of crazy not to tell somebody. Um, exactly. I have a kid, and you're not telling me somebody broke into my house, and y'all like getting fired. Let alone masturbated on my own bed. Oh my like God. that's. <laughs> um, we get a scene of the stalker creating another threatening note while watching a video of Rachel singing. The next day, Farmer is back at Rachel's house and tells her driver that he's going to be Farmer's assistant. Farmer goes around the house and starts pointing out where all the new security system is going to go. Uh, he walks into a room that Rachel's sister is working out in, and we learn that Rachel's sister, Nikki, used to be in a band, but when her sister joined, she stopped doing music since it was obvious who the star of the family was. We cut to... I think a couple days later, after leaving a restaurant, a fan asks Rachel for a picture. They hand the camera to Nikki and we get a sense that she's a little jealous. She makes this face where she's like kind of unhappy. As they are leaving, Frank notices a car following them. When they are back at Rachel's home, he gets out of the car, gets out of their car and chases the other car, but they get away. Rachel gets irritated at all of the protection she's getting. Frank says Rachel should not be doing things she re- regularly does, and she looks at him like he's crazy. She calls him a lunatic. Um, then Rachel goes shopping, and Farmer accompanies her. Rachel kind of eggs Farmer on, saying things like how he doesn't give her straight answers, and that she doesn't, and that she thinks he doesn't like staying on the job too long, just in case he starts to really care about his client. But as much as she throws at him, he's able to handle it. Uh. The night farmer, that night farmer watches Rachel's music videos and Rachel sees him listening to her songs. Rachel heads to a club and farmer hands her a cross with a transmitter in it just in case it gets separated and she's in trouble. Do you want to read from here? Um, I can. Um, so we're at this club. Of course, Miss Very Big Rachel Marin does not usually perform at clubs. But of course, this is, is Sidekick. What is his name? Psy? Yeah, bitch ass uh, idea about her new music video Queen of the Night and so of course they go to this club and it's already out of control there's too many people not out of guards and so Farmer is able to get them into the club and as soon as they get in the dress room there's another threatening letter also the wording of these letters talking about her soul and talking about how she has everything they want and when you read the letter itself, if you like pause to read the letter, it sounds like now that we've been introduced to other characters, it sounds like Nikki. Mm-hmm. Um, because it sounds like a jealousy letter. But also, if you listen to a lot of the people around her, they kind of like sigh in the way he talks about um Rachel, which we'll talk about in a second. Um Tony, her bodyguard, talking about talking to, to farmer when they were in a limo and he's like um i do this out of love i love that woman i do everything she tells me to bitch you are the bodyguard we ain't got time for that also tony was killing me because why are you talking to a former secret service agent like you don't know how to do the job <laughs> why are we having this discussion so at this club rachel finds another um 
letter and you know of course farmer's like look i told y'all we have to take this seriously and this is when rachel finds out the seriousness of these threats that somebody's been in her house and that's when farmer's like i don't think we should stay here it's too many people it's too much shit going on and so her i guess one of her representatives who is the older black guy who asked farmer to be the security officer goes out on stage and he's about to tell them that rachel can't come on rachel's like no i'm not gonna let no creep run me off my goddamn stage and so she still decides to go on stage and that's when we get that little line from Cy was like she'll die anyway if she's not on stage I said you greedy ass dumb bitch if you don't shut the fuck up god he got on my nerves this entire film um but we're watching you know Whitney as Rachel do her thing she's performing quick in the night she's got on a fit um, of course, once again, there's too many people. The The venue is too small. They don't have enough security. So as soon as she gets, like, the song is reaching its climax, people are jumping on stage. Frank is making his way, like, let me remove this person. And she keeps stopping him. And I'm like, sis, you know, <laughs> one man on stage is going to, you you just gave everybody else permission to get on stage. And so then everybody else jumps on stage, and that's when shit goes haywire. She falls into the crowd and voluntarily starts crowd surfing. Frank grabs a f- fire extinguisher. That was a giant ass fire mm. extinguisher. It was. You. It's like two feet. It's like three feet tall. Silver. I have never seen a fire extinguisher that big. But he's using the fire extinguisher to make room. And he basically grabs her in the most typical rom-com fan fiction AO3, you know, princess carrying way. And so Tony, who was also in the crowd doing work, he's like, yo, I got this shit. He's just like punching people and he's making a pass. But of course, Frank, who is five steps ahead of everybody, had already called the driver to move the limo to a different door and he's already escorted Rachel out. And so we go back to the club to see the aftermath and we see that our stalker from the neck down picking up Rachel's glove, like her torn glove or a torn piece of her clothing from the floor and smelling it. Are we creeped out? Yes, we're creeped out. Um, Back at the house, Rachel goes to bed. Frank sits in the kitchen eating an apple. It was an apple? I thought it was a peach. It was, it was probably an apple. I wasn't paying attention. Um, when, when Rachel's, uh, when Tony walks in, he's mad they left the club and he just starts swinging on Frank. Now I was like, I know you from New York or whatever. When he pulls out the Dude, knife, I was like, I, what are we doing? <laughs> he killed somebody at Rachel's house? What is wrong with you? First of all, no one could ever tell me anything for me to swing on somebody who worked at Secret Service. Never. Literally. <laughs> like, where was the thought process? You get beat twice. He's just ducking you while eating a peach. And then you pull out the knife. Like, sir, you're, you're asking to die. You're like, warped. This man, this man ducked <laughs> not looking at you. You swung and he moved. He wasn't looking at you. <laughs> it's like the calmness. I have to give props to whoever staged the scene and like wrote it. The calmness of Frank, first of all, cutting this peach diagonally, right? <laughs> like he's like he hasn't like cut the peach out the pit he's like slicing it right with the skin like, on by the way he is not peeling it he's eating it like it's i'm like what is i've never seen this someone please stop it it's making my skin this, itch <laughs> this is this is when frank was the most attractive to me throughout the whole entire film because tony big dumbass just coming here swinging right frank is dodging frank done just took this man by his neck and wiped off the whole counter and then Tony turns to the block of knives and pulls out a kitchen knife. I said, 
What the fuck are you going to do with that? <laughs> you going to kill him for what? For doing his job? For getting Rachel out of the club properly? What What are we really fighting for? Your ego? And what does Mr. Frank Farmer do? Throw the fruit knife from across the room and just hit the cupboard next to that man's head. And he just says to him, he's like, I don't want to talk about this no more. I said, period. <laughs> period. <laughs> period. Point blank. My man said we are not having a discussion no more. And Tony was just like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. That was just, it was the stupidest thing that happened in the entire film. I was like, you are dumb. <laughs> um, so then the next morning, Rachel and Frank go for a walk. Well, Frank's like checking the cameras. Rachel sneaks up on him. Um, and Rachel's like, you know what? I finally get it. I understand. She's like, I'll listen to you. Rachel then tells Frank that she can't go on dates because, you know, he has to be around. She's asking, if I want to go home with this guy, do you have to go upstairs too? Because, of course, she's never had like a 24-7 bodyguard. And so she says, well, since I can't go out on dates, you'll have to ask me out. Ah! I said, me crying, throwing up. Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. I said, that, not original bad girl, Rachel Marin. Not original bad girl, Rachel Marin. You're <laughs> like, I, date we're going and like frank is kind of flustered by how forward she is it's like real real cute and like her sister calls her back into the house she's like whoa that's embarrassing but we're going on a date right sure right i was like ah get your man like, what did she say she said i'm fixing to get set up or something oh like that. yes <laughs> her oh sister God. was like come back in the house it's time for lunch or, oh she said somebody's on the phone she's like girl i'm fixing to get set up she said it under her breath so only her and frank could hear that and i said you better flirt like a pro you better flirt. So, um, the driver has taken the limo to get washed, and we find out that the stalker either works at the washing place or knows where they're going because he is digging in the limo seats through the car seats like a feral ferret or some shit. He looks like a ferret too. That's not nice. <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. Uh, we finally see his face. He has a locker full of pictures of Rachel. Typical, typical. So Rachel and Frank go on their little movie day. They go to see a black and white Japanese film, and you know, talking about samurais and shit. And Rachel was just like, she's talk. They're talking about like um how the main character was never afraid. He like Frank says there's a difference between being um afraid of dying and never afraid of death or something like that. But they have this little cute moment. Um, <laughs> they go to the restaurant. Rachel is still being her very much fun, flirtatious, flirty self. Um, she asks Frank to dance, and they go back to Frank's place, and they have more cute moments in, the, in his basement. They pull out. She pulls out his samurai sword pointed at him, and he's like showing her how to use it. And Frank takes her scarf. And throws the scarf in the air, and the scarf lands on the blade and cuts in half. Um, he then pulls her in for her kiss. Um, <laughs> this whole paragraph sounds like a euphemism for sex. It does. It was. I was writing this paragraph. It was. Like, this sounds like a euphemism for sex. Pulls out Frank's samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> like, the minute she pulled the sword and paused, I was like, oh, this is 90s. <laughs> this is the part of the book that's real spicy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. So they have to somehow turn it into. Um, movie ready. I need to stop playing with this hair clip because I can hear it in all of our artists. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm a fidgeter. Uh, <laughs> so I'm always messing with something. Okay, so the next day, Frank decides to set up some boundaries. Okay, so basically, they kiss and they fuck and they sleep in bed, right? And so they wake up the next morning in bed together 
and they're being all cute and flirtatious. Well, at least um, Rachel's being cute and flirtatious. Like, she asked him to come back to bed. He says no. She's like, do you want me to beg? I said, come on, Miss Rachel Mary. Keep him on his toes. But he's like, um, no, I shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have had sex last night. I'm confused. And he, like, sets up boundaries. He, like, apologizes and tells her that he can't even get involved with a client. Um... And that she can live with it or she can fire him. And he's like very curt with this dialogue. And she says, but I can't fuck you. She's like, you can protect me and all that stuff. And I can live with it and I can fire you, but I can't fuck you. After y'all just banged the night before. I was yelling, screaming. Because that right there was probably one of Whitney's best delivered lines. Mm-hmm. It felt very much real. Um, You want to take it over for her, Mary? Yes. So... <clears throat> They head to Miami where Rachel is having two concerts. Um, Frank does like a security check of the concert location. Um, At the concert, we get, I said Whitney, we get Rachel singing. (laughs) (laughs) We get Rachel singing, I have nothing. Um, It's a beautiful moment. Whitney looks so damn good. There's an after party and Rachel and Frank runs into his former colleague and Rachel walks up to them. And she starts flirting with Frank's former colleague. I do not know what his name is. And she takes him to a room where she starts making out with him. She stops it before it goes too far. And when the guy, and when he doesn't listen to her, when she first says no, she gets him kicked out of the after party. Outside of the room, another woman hits on Frank and he shuts her down so quickly. It embarrassed me. I got secondhand embarrassment for this woman. Um... Rachel's pissed at Frank and Frank is irritated at the whole situation. She goes shopping without letting him know. And he tells her that if she does this one more time, he's leaving because like, girl, you are literally being threatened. Um, He has a moment where when he's doing his security watch again, walk through, he punches a guy who works at the venue. And I think it's finally hitting him that his emotions are getting to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel gets a call from her stalker and it really freaks her out. And so this time, she tells Frank that she'll actually listen to him. And she does. Uh, he takes Rachel, her son, Fletcher, her sister, and their chauffeur to his family's cabin in the mountains, which is next to a lake. Um, they have some good time. Frank's dad tells them, like, stories of, like, um, a farmer when he was younger. It's the end of the day, and everyone has gone to bed, and Frank does a lockup for the night. Rachel's sister asks, asks him what's going on between him and Rachel, and then kisses him, but Frank doesn't kiss her back. And she's okay. Pause real quick because yeah. I have to bring this up. Because in the beginning of the movie, um, we had that scene between Nikki and Frank, right, when she was working out, right. And you can mm-hmm. obviously she kind of thought he was cute. Then yeah. there was that second scene that they have where Frank and Fletcher were playing by the f- pool, and Nikki, um, God, what did she say? It just lost my mind. Um. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know what scene. Yes. And Nikki goes, um, they were talking about something. And she said something two-faced, she said, basically. Like, she says, but, um, oh, oh, I know what it is. Rachel had been nominated for Best uh, New Actress. Yes. Something like that. And then she says, but you would know, right? Oh, right. This is after they banged. And I was yeah. just like, and and Frank looked at Fletcher first, the kid, and then looked at Nikki, and Nikki composed herself. Like, that was the first time we saw her kind of, like, crack. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, sis, <laughs> that was uncalled for in front of the child. Okay. <laughs> you can see, I just had to talk about it. 
Um, the next day, Frank and his dead are checking the snow tracks by the cabin. He notices that some of the tracks lead to the dock. He looks around for Fletcher and doesn't see him, but then hears like the boat, the boat motor, and sees that Fletcher is in the boat going further out into the uh, lake. Frank chases after him, and everyone else does as well. Frank jumps off the deck in an attempt to save Fletcher, knocks him out of the boat, but he's able to get Fletcher back on the back onto the dock. Um, and everyone's kind of yelling at him like, "You could have, you could have drowned him. He can't swim." Uh, the boat motor is is still on, so the boat goes further out onto the lake, and then it explodes. So now they know that the stalker must be close, but the phone lines have been cut and all the car batteries are dead. Frank doesn't know how the stalker would know where they are since Rachel has no connection to the location. And so his dad says maybe it has something to do with Frank. Frank stays up that night to watch the house. He hears Rachel's sister crying. We find out that she, on a night where she was stoned, she was at a bar and she hired a, she got a man to hire a hitman for her to take out her sister. Listen, and that she has already paid the whole thing for the whole thing. When I tell you, I do not remember ever hearing about this. I said, "Girl, what?" <laughs> Talk to extreme on your sister. Yeah. On your sister because you're jealous. Nobody told you you had to stop doing music. Nobody. Mm-hmm. I feel like she was projecting and being very insecure, but like. She's like, you know, I would never hurt that baby. But his mama, his mama could die. I was like, like his mama's your sister. What are, we, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Okay. Um, so we hear the, the, the house dog barking. And Frank goes to make sure that Rachel is okay. In the time that he goes upstairs, the hitman sneaks into the house and shoots Rachel's sister. Um, Frank chases him into the woods, but the guy gets away. So then the next day, Frank calls his FBI, not secure. Is it his FBI friends or Uh, secret Secret service Service friends? Same difference, probably. To let them know about the hired hitman, but they tell them that they already got the guy, that it was a stalker who had a locker filled with pictures of Rachel. Um, But that's definitely not the guy that attacked them that night. So now we know that the stalker and the hitman hitman are two different people. Rachel's sister dies. I don't know what more to say about that. <laughs> I'm just going to move past that. But Rachel goes through her grieving period. Um, They're back at her house. They're back at Rachel's house and it's nighttime. Frank is sitting out somewhere in the garden, I think. And Rachel comes up to sit next to him. She asks him it isn't over yet. And he says probably not. Um, She tells Frank that it's important that she goes to the Oscars in case she wins. Rachel says that she's going to go to the Oscars and she won't be scared because she has Frank protecting her. Frank says that's right and kisses her. At the Oscars, everyone except for Rachel is on edge. Um, Rachel makes comments about if it's her time, it's her time, as in her dying, and that she's not going to let this... um, what is it called? Not going to let this hitman... or She doesn't even know it's a hitman. She didn't know her sister hired him. Mm but she's not going to let him like ruin her night. Frank is doing his job and watching everyone as well as doing a perimeter check. Frank meets his old colleague again, the one that was making out with Rachel, and he says he's there guarding one of the Oscar uh, presenters. Rachel goes to the stage to present an award. Frank has a feeling that the hitman is going to try to get her while she's in front of the cameras. 
While on stage, Rachel freaks out a bit and runs away. She yells at Frank for making her so nervous that she freaked out. Frank realizes that the hitman is his old colleague, but no one except her other guard, Tony, is listening to him. He sees that his old colleague is holding onto her camera to disguise himself. Rachel wins Best New Actress, and as she's walking to the stage, the hitman aims at her with his gun. Frank runs to Rachel and gets hit with a bullet. As he's down, he turns around and shoots at the hitman. In the frenzy, people think Rachel is bleeding, but she tells them it's her bodyguard. Frank is transported to, the, to an ambulance. A couple of days later, Rachel is boarding a private plane. Frank is there to say his goodbyes. They hug each other and Rachel boards the plane. But as she's looking out from the plane window, she yells at the pilot to stop, runs back, and kisses Frank. Um, and then finally, we get another scene of Rachel singing, and it's Whitney covers Whitney's cover of Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. And then the movie ends with us seeing Frank on his next job protecting some other man. And that's the end. Now, I have to have a, a clarification. Mm-hmm. Is the hitman that the sister hired his old colleague? Yes. That's what I got okay. from the movie. Mm-hmm. There okay. are things that do not do not make sense, <laughs> which um, we could talk about it now, or you can ask other questions. Oh, no, we could talk about it now. <laughs> okay. My first question is, the stalker was writing the letters. Those mm-hmm. letters do not make sense from somebody who is a, a fanatic. Is that the right word? Uh like um he's obsessed with her loves her why would he use those words in the letter it does not make any sense to me you well those probably sound like loving words to him i guess i i guess i also think the writers were purposely doing it to make it seem like definitely i definitely think that was it because one of them was like (laughs) i have nothing and you have everything what he's a fan (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was confused because i was like I thought that once we figured out it was the colleague, remember his dad was like, well, maybe it has something to do with you. And yeah. we left this out in the beginning, but as a previous Secret Service, he worked for President Carter and Reagan, and he lost his girlfriend his, when... His wife? Mom. His mom. Oh. Yeah. He lost his mom after Reagan got killed, and he never forgave himself because he wasn't on duty when Reagan was shot. Mm-hmm. So, that was, I was confused by that, but all in all, um, what were your thoughts after the movie ended, <laughs> uh, Mary? Um, 10 out of 10. This movie is <laughs> so fucking good. Oh my God. If the fact that a rom-com movie that ends with that, with the two characters not staying together and I still love it. Oh, you did something right. I literally, an hour in, I was like, oh, this is going to be replayed in about six months. I'm going to be watching it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Corey, thoughts? Um, I thought this movie, it was, mm, it was a fun movie. There was like a lot of stuff. I was just like, all right. Like the fact that like she kept getting attacked 
he kept tightening the security clearance she kept arguing back with him like it, it like that whole like sequence of events repeated like several times it was like after a certain point girl you're like somebody's trying to kill you like yeah, right <laughs> come on but yeah i thought it was a really fun movie um the music once again when houston is iconic uh <laughs> interracial love story <laughs> started, started all the wattpad all the wattpad fixed <laughs> yeah i'll give it like a like a six out of ten okay uh nia thoughts um, trying to be objective about this because I've this movie's like I've seen this so many times. Um, it's are there a lot of flaws? Yes. Do I overlook them? Yes. Um, it's giving Wattpad with a budget, and sometimes you just need Wattpad with a budget with great songs. And yeah, I give it like a solid eight out of ten nice um i well for my memory my goldfish memory watching this from beginning to end i don't know why i always remembered him dying in the end mm. i don't know why i always remember him being dead at the end that being said the sister hiring a hitman listen i was like y'all almost <laughs> lost me because what the fuck <laughs> um i do like the chemistry i thought that was good you know um not all singing divas can be you know oscar-worthy actresses but i think for a debut project that would need it pretty great i feel like the lines where she was like either being flirty or got to express like annoyance were her best mm-hmm. deliverance like she naturally delivered that without it feeling um fake uh rachel and whitney are a similar personality i feel like Woody's just a little bit more funnier than rachel <laughs> which is why it comes off like that um but yeah them not ending up in the end but me still being like yeah i get it i guess <laughs> are y'all just gonna be fuck buddies now like what's happening like after you get shot for being somebody's bodyguard you still want to be a bodyguard i don't know that <laughs> he did say that that's part of the job and that he would mm. do it <sighs> well I would retire after that. Like, <laughs> peace. I done did my due diligence. But that's just me. Um, that being said, it is disgusting. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. How every single fucking single that Whitney Houston made on this album is that iconic. Bitch, I would... When I said... When I started looking at the music, and I was like, wait a second. These aren't just Whitney songs they use in the movie. She she wrote, wrote and made these for, for the movie? <laughs> or, like, produced them for the movie? Like, Whitney said, if we're gonna go all the way, just we're wait, gonna go like all the way. Production fact I have that really furthers oh. that point. Please continue. Please give it to okay. us. Okay, so movie facts from show, showbizcheatsheet.com. Um, it was revealed that Costner by Costner, um, who plays Frank, that Whitney was not really sold on the role. She declined multiple times as she was fearful that audiences would not take to her and that she felt that the role was too close to her real-life career. Costner admitted that he prolonged the start of the production on the film while he waited for Whitney to finish her tour duties. Thankfully, she agreed to work on the film. The screenplay was over 20 years in the making. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, the Bodyguard opened in theaters November 25th. Um, so 
November 25th, yeah. It ranked third opening weekend and spent 10 weeks in the top 10 film list. The film would ultimately gross $121 million in the U.S. and $410 million worldwide. The soundtrack later won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year. The it's still the highest selling like movie soundtrack, isn't it? Oh, I have no clue. That would make sense. Um, the staple single for the album, I Will Always Love You, received huge airplay across pop, R&B, adult contemporary, and soul radio markets. It spent 14 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 single charts. To promote the album, Houston embarked, Whitney embarked on an international tour, the Bodyguard World Tour, and it lasted over a year and produced 120 shows. Pause. What do you mean you went on a tour <laughs> for a movie soundtrack that is not a musical? <laughs> that is insane. Like, I don't think that we would happen will, today. It w- Oh, it would never. We are never going to get, like, soundtracks like this unless it's from one of the big divas. Like, Beyonce graced us with Lion King. And we kind of get, like, cool music like from, like, Black happen. Panther. Yeah. But, yeah. like, a whole soundtrack for a rom-com this bitch went on tour did 120 shows that's crazy that's insane <laughs> Whitney was um, one of a kind because who could have true. done that <laughs> uh critics praised her performances on almost every stop uh Whitney did admit in a 2010 interview with Oprah Winfrey that the success from the bodyguard was too much for her to handle mm. Um, from smoothradio.com, writer Lawrence Kasdan wrote that the fir- wrote the first drafts of the movie in 1975 with Diana Ross and Steve McQueen on course to play the leads. However, the script was rejected 67 times before being accepted and then discarded Damn, again. I never need to give up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, that was inspiration right there. To all of our writers, this man's script got rejected 67 times. 67! Um, McQueen had been replaced by Ryan O'Neill, whom Ross was dating at the time, but Ross ended up turning down the project and it disappeared again until little known Costner read the script. And from Looper.com, although some viewers and the scriptwriter felt the ending of The Bodyguard left Rachel Frank's future open-ended, the premise of the sequel made it clear that they had gone their separate ways. Costner told people the sequel would have been built around Princess Diana's character being protected from the paparazzi by Frank Farmer. Although a sequel was never made, it was pitched and preliminary script was written. As reported by The Guardian, Kevin Costner received the first draft of the script the day before Princess Diana died in a car crash. The sequel was permanently shelved after Princess Diana's tragic death. The role the popsie played in the events leading to Diana's death was eerily similar to the general concepts of the sequel. And finally, although we never got a sequel, a a reboot is in the works. According to Entertainment Weekly, Matthew Lopez, the first Latin playwright to win a Tony Award for The Inheritance, is attached to write the script. He told Variety, instead of focusing on an established star like the one Whitney Houston played, this is about a young Latina performer who has become famous. It's about her life at it's about how her life has changed because she's an overnight sensation. And we can't wait to see who they cast as the rising star. Oh, yeah. you said okay. it was like a wait a young what singer, um, Latina. a young Latina performer. Is it gonna be Olivia Rodrigo? Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it, like, as soon as you said that, I was like, it's gonna be like Olivia Rodrigo or like that girl who made singing in the shower, Becky G, something oh, like that. <laughs> I have I have no clue. This article Just... that I got this from was written was published today. 
So today, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is the anniversary. It is the thirtieth yeah, anniversary. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, and that's all my production facts. I think I feel like the fact that the sequel would be about Princess Diana is that weird time and like the fact that she uh-huh. died the day before he got the script is kind uh-huh. of crazy. <clears throat> yes 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 um that being said this is an icon of a movie an icon of a soundtrack these songs i I have i don't think i've ever known these songs to be specifically written for the bodyguard i was like i i didn't even realize that i will always love you was a cover Cover? until like last year i don't think (laughs) Yeah, same for me. I didn't realize until I saw that clip of um, Dolly saying that the cover was better than like her version. <laughs> she said that she literally was driving and heard it on the radio and had to pull over because she was so <laughs> surprised. I have nothing. God, I'm every woman. Run to you. <laughs> I'm every woman was for for the bodyguard. I it's on here. I don't know. No, I think that's the original Shaka Khan song, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and she like, just did a, they just did a cover of it. But, like, I Have Nothing, Run To You, Queen of the Night, like, are you One kidding thing me? When Whitney would cover a song, it's no longer your song. No. Because oh, I really yeah. thought I'm Every Woman was her song. I didn't know it was a Shaka <laughs> oh, song. Oh, you have heard Shaka. Well, I love Shaka's version, too. But, like, um, I love Whitney's so equally. Mm-hmm. It was, is I Have Nothing a cover? No, that's no. an original. Okay. Uh, Run to you. I have nothing. Our originals. Um, but is Queen I will of the Night original? I let me check because I, I don't think listen so. to Queen of the Night in my free time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a good song. It's just like I don't know. It's I was literally just singing "I Have Nothing" the other day, <laughs> right? Just screaming it. I have nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Was she was she changes key? I yeah, that, that's a, that's, a yeah. <laughs> that's spiritual. I was listening to the man fell for her. Recording. Like, <laughs> it's like it literally yeah, she Queen seems to you like original. that. Mm. God, you Queen of the Night was original. Also, just to like put into context, like, like to already have like a massive superstar that's like massive do a movie like this. I I mean, I can't even imagine like the most like how it would have to be Beyonce literally like doing a movie like this. Cause Beyonce's acted before, but I don't know who would do this and then go on a tour for a year and then like cover really known, like, cause I will always love you. People knew that song, but, yes. but only in like the country space. Um, and then what's the other cover? I, every woman, black folks knew that song, mm-hmm. but like, like, I don't even know how you could do that. <laughs> today like, that's what i said when i read that she went on tour with the soundtrack i was shocked i was like there's yeah i don't think anybody would be really able I'm to trying do that to today. think who has because like-, like these are her biggest songs of her career like these are whitney's signature songs like how is that like i can't even i can't even like compartmentalize how that's possible <laughs> in today's world i'm trying to think also, I'd like to say how cute it was that Kevin Costner and Whitney became really close friends after this film, and he even read a eulogy at her um, funeral. At her funeral, 
Yeah. I saw that live as a kid. Very, very sad. Yeah. Um, Didn't this album sell, you said it sold 40 million copies or more? 45 million. Sheesh. That was the number. (laughs) That's just crazy. I'm not surprised she said that the having to deal with the fame afterwards was a lot because I can see that it was a lot. Yeah, 45 million copies. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm trying to think who would else be able to do this. (laughs) I don't think anybody could. Like getting nominated sure during a tour? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. And to dominate radio. Like Whitney was dominating film, radio, and the airwaves all at the same time. Like that's not, that's like having a hit movie, a hit soundtrack hit because people don't even associate the bodyguard soundtrack with the bodyguard anymore like people don't automatically hear i have nothing and think oh yes the bodyguard they just think oh i have nothing child i've been alive for 28 years and i still didn't take that that movie's almost 30 years old i'm like yeah i have nothing it's an iconic song so is run to you so i was was looking at this i was like what do you mean this a song (laughs) a song like this what do you mean for a movie that's not a musical that's like that's what's really getting to me when she was singing i have nothing i was like people don't make music like this like (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like the industry's not even set up for people to all listen to the same thing at the same time anymore like Mm -hmm. like everybody's in their own little corners musically like some people listen to taylor swift some people listen to beyonce some people listen waiting for rihanna to do anything like they're all existing in little corners and they don't always interact with people huh I said, not too shady the Navy. <laughs> I have, to, I mean, no, I'm shading Rihanna at this point too, because she goes on every interview just lying to people's faces. <laughs> oh yeah, I got to work on the music. The music's not happening. It's not happening, y'all. Pack the bags, go home. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I feel like, you know what? Jasmine actually, wanted to. If Jasmine wanted to, she could. But you know, if, like, job. okay, this is me reaching, and I'm reaching really hard. But when Adele dropped 21 and did a movie immediately after, and had like a big soundtrack that was on the level of 21, I feel like she could have done it. Mm-hmm. But it would have had to have been perfect timing like that. Because now, if she did it, I don't think people it would be the same level. But like, she immediately dropped 21. It sells like 30 million, and then does this movie, and then does a movie like this, etc. I can see that, yeah. I can see Adele doing the bodyguard. That would be cute. What, like, what reverse? Well, no, I don't think people would be kind of irritated by that. Actually, <laughs> with a black, a black man and a white woman, people would be kind of irritated oh, by that. <laughs> Doctor Umar no, would have dreams for days. We see this enough in real life. Come on. <laughs> let me let me throw some 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 thoughts out to the ether. Use Jasmine Sullivan because whatever comes out of her pipes is going to be iconic, right? I say black man bodyguard. I'm here for any other person, man of color bodyguard. We don't need white men. They, we they we can get... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who we can get. Korean, uh, South Asian. Um, we can do... We can do Mexican. Oh. We can do Island. Uh, she's not a pop star. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Tenoch Huerta and um, Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, that listen, video of the together. 
Listen, Lupita can lip sync. She can just sing over somebody else's singing. Oh my god. <laughs> Who else could sing and possibly act? Listen, the new girls aren't giving the vocals besides Jasmine. Like nobody unless you're going to the gospel space, but everybody there's like over 30 or 40. <laughs> And then that's not a problem. You can be like 40 mm-hmm. and do this because I don't know how old Whitney was in this. 30s? 20s? Question mark? 1992? How old was Whitney born? She was born in like 63, right? Uh, Whitney Houston was born in 1963, yes. She was 29. 29. Okay. And I know damn well Kevin Costner was not in his 30s. Oh, I of course not. <laughs> he was in his 40s, right? Kevin Costner oh. was born in you 55. Know. So he was like in his mid-30s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about not the actress? I don't know who could sing. But as a bodyguard, Jonathan Majors. Oh. Okay. That? Okay. Jonathan Majors and Adele. Ooh. No. <laughs> no. 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 I was why would you do that to us? <laughs> oh my god. Dancing why? Idris. Put wow. him with like oh, Idris. Oh, wait, wait, Jennifer Hudson. Why are we not? Why are we? <laughs> oh, you know the memes. People are gonna be so mean to Jennifer. Like, like I feel like I... people are gonna be like, because they always make fun of how loud she is, and she's loud. But like, people are gonna. She be... knows how to project, unlike your face. Yeah, <laughs> she's oh, of course. Kind of... But I feel like people aren't. They'll make fun of her. Like, I feel like some people will love it, but then you know they'll you'll go in the deepest crevices of Black Twitter and they'll be like. So got to turn down my volume or something like that. And it'll get like 5,000 retweets. I don't know. I can see Jonathan Majors as a bodyguard. We can also do Winston Duke just for my pleasure. Just for personally. Just be selfish. (laughs) Yeah. Would Chloe? I think Chloe and Hallie could do either of this if they wanted to. But I don't think they'd want to. Yeah, I don't know. If they well, I mean, Hallie's into acting. Chloe, I don't think she's into acting like that. I mean, they've acted before, but I think Chloe like acting. She's like, eh, I prefer to be on stage. Mm-hmm. God, I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's all my head is going to. I just want it to be Jasmine, just so I can get more music. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. If you pick someone from gospel, I feel like you could turn it into like pick Jacqueline Carr or Kiara Sheard, but I don't know if they can act. <laughs> I just know they sing down, but that's it. Yeah. Well, let's see what the new bodyguard will give us. If they really do Olivia Rodrigo, I'm a just. <laughs> it's going to give, um, I don't know. It's I don't know. I've only heard. It's going to be a tween movie, I feel like, then like a netflix type of thing mm. well let's do ratings uh marin what do you rate the bodyguard nine out of ten mm. uh cory what do you rate the bodyguard i'll give it like a six six and a half uh nia what do you rate the, what do you rate the bodyguard enunciate victoria <laughs> i give it an eight out of ten uh, I give it a 7 out of 10. I think it's a classic rom-com. The music the music is a 10 out of 10. The music is a one Whitney's tracks are 8-1. Um, I saw Kenny G on the track list. I was like, huh? <laughs> and then I had to remember this was 1992. 
Um, but yes, Kenny's the white man. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, why did y'all let him eat so much in the nineties? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that being said, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I think we're having one episode come out next week. I think you won't miss any episodes. I think I don't know. We might not do a Sunday episode coming up. Um, but make sure you follow us on Twitter at commented TikTok at commented podcast, or come join our Discord and chit chat with us there. Until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia, and I'm Decoria. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.